if I'm on here saying, fuck white people, what the hell? Like, that's not going to do any good. That's no. not going to push the needle. Yeah. That's, you know what I mean? Like, that's going to create a lot of defensiveness. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Welcome, fam. This is Courtney Russell Jr., and I'm here with my co-host, Emily Brocker. Welcome to Humanize. We are two Americans with totally different backgrounds and life experiences. We're coming together on this podcast to dive right at the heart of the three things that shut down tough conversations about race, culture, power, and ego. The stories you are about to hear are meant to humanize those deeply involved in social justice. Welcome to the work, y'all. Let's get it. Welcome to Humanize's first mini episode. So mini as in 20 minutes. So Courtney and I kind of had this idea in hearing just our listeners' responses to the work that we're doing. We're thinking about having just short episodes every now and then where we're going to kind of talk about more of the skills and competencies and challenges associated with actually being in hard conversations about race and social justice. So kind of like what we are doing in, but this is like the process. So I think we want to start off by having this episode focused on defensiveness and minimizing defensiveness, both in ourself and in others. And I know this is something that I do, <laughs> all the time. And I kind of wonder if it's like to a fault taking care, like trying to manage other people's emotions and trying to manage myself. I don't know, Courtney, is this part of like, is this part of your world on a daily basis, minimizing defensiveness or? No, 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 not at all. Minimizing, no, being very defensive has been MO for myself. And I see individuals in my community as being defensive. Um, having having to prove ourselves, having to hold on to the minimum amount of power that we have, you know, just always fighting for everything. In that regard, I think it's more defensive. And wow, this is a good topic. I think with you defending something, you feel as though you either you feel guilty about it. Um, that's why you're trying to legitimize it, or you you're trying to send smoke signals up around the real issue instead of ad addressing the real issue. You know what I mean? So that's what comes up for me with that. God, I mean, even what you just said out there was like a wake up for me um, around like defend, you know, from your perspective, defending what power you have or defending what, what you have access to. And I do think that like when I think of defensiveness in race conversations, it, yeah, it's exactly what you just said, like minimizing minimizing the truth of what's happening and i can i can start off with an example and kind of walk through my response so in the last episode i think yeah i think it was in the last episode you had mentioned something about walking around in boulder you and i walking around in boulder would raise eyebrows and in response to that i felt in myself kind of this like swell of like oh no 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 like that really, like, does that really happen? And in that defensiveness, like, I pull back, right? Like, that's kind of what nervous system happens. Like, there's like a pullback moment, which is also like a disconnection from you, right? Like, as soon as I'm just defensive, I'm like concerned with my story. 
And it's hard to stay in connection with your story. And in that moment, I found myself, because I know I have this white supremacy conditioning, I, I found myself being like, okay, there's defensiveness, you know, like mindfulness, like, okay, there's defensiveness coming up. You probably, me, this is me talking to myself, you probably don't see what Courtney is seeing and you trust him. So you need to not question what he's doing. So I could like see the defensiveness, know that my conditioning needed another path, but then, (laughs) then, so in terms of like the how-to, there is like a mindfulness piece there, right? To watch our, our bodies and response. But then there's like, I don't know what the next step is to like ground myself and get reconnected. Like I felt myself like kind of distracted for a little bit. It's like, you know, the thing about what we always say and what I've always heard is truth needs no defense. You know, um, when, when truth can stand alone and, and show itself to be true, you know. And so the thing about like critical race theory and individuals that say white supremacy doesn't exist are defending something because there's a, a feeling in their gut that, you know, what something's not right. But if I admit it, that's also making me a bad person when I think it's conflating two issues. It's like the person you are is not in judgment. The reality of the situation is being scrutinized, you know? And, and, and I think once we get to a place where we can say, we as in humanity say, look, history is history. History happened. What are we going to do to create a better future? I think that the defensiveness of of having these conversations would decrease because there's no, it's, it's truth. It happened. Slavery was an event. Civil rights was an event. It, they happened. And to say, hey, that's like, there's no, no such thing as white supremacy is kind of spitting in the face of individuals that died to create equity, you know. So this de this new DEI work has been happening for 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 decades now. But to say that it's it like white supremacy doesn't exist, it's kind of like damn. It, people died. People died to for us to be here right now. And you're saying that it doesn't exist. Like come on, yo. Right. And what you just said there around like you know, recognizing the bigger issue, just accepting the bigger issue changes our response. Like, I think this is why, how the whole thread of guilt, you know, I think there's a lot of talk of guilt, you know, even people in, that I talk to, what I'm talking about my own experience, try to, like white people are like, but don't you feel guilty? Like they try to like refocus me on guilt, which is not often, you know, what I'm, I'm feeling. I mean, it, it comes and goes, but it's not often what I'm feeling, but that's not focusing at all on the issue, right? That's centering whiteness. It's centering the personal experience when the conversation needs to be about the bigger experience. So I think in terms of like the how to, again, another point would be feeling that defensiveness, perhaps feeling that guilt arise, asking yourself, well, what am I defending and how do I refocus on the bigger issue here, right? See, when you feel guilty to me, it's not doing anything for the person that was offended. 
No. It's only doing something for you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's recentering. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, I don't want to make it seem as though, okay, we're talking about white supremacy and and make that the issue uh, as if it's like white people are the problem. No, the the supremacy is the problem. We're focusing on the white. We should be focusing on on the supremacy. Right. Exactly. The, it's the oppressive culture that's the problem. And so I'm curious, Courtney, for you, when you're engaged in a conversation, say at your workplace or something, and things are getting heated and you feel defensiveness come up, like what helps you stay connected in that conversation? The why. Why is everyone in the conversation fighting or being defensive? Like if everyone, because you don't defend something that's insignificant to you. Like, you're not going to defend a blade of grass in your lawn like you would defend your daughters. You know, like, it's a it's, it's, it's a no-brainer. And so, because people are defending themselves with regards to race, that means race is a, a significant issue in America. Culture is a significant issue in America. Race and culture are ingrained in the DNA of almost every aspect of our life, whether we want to admit it or not here. And as we live in America. And so when people say, oh, that doesn't exist, again, I go back to you're, you're kind of making insignificant the contribution and the lives of people who have been suppressed um, for, for generations now. You know, and and when you talk about like in news right now, the Haitians and immigration and um, you talk about COVID, all of the if you say race doesn't matter, those three issues I just brought up is showing you that race definitely does matter because they had a different impact on the white or the or the or the elite versus individuals who are marginalized and the individuals who are marginalized for the majority of the part have been people of color. That's just a fact. That doesn't make anyone bad. That doesn't make anyone good. Those are just facts. So do you find it's helpful, let's say you're in a group setting and things are getting heated and you're feeling heated, like, is that refocusing on the why? Is that something you do internally? Or do you, yeah, yeah. do you like state it to the group? Like Both. Both. So what would that sound like if you're talking to a group? If I'm talking and I'm leading a group and I'm facilitating a group, first I, I, I check my mental temperature. All right, Courtney, why are you mad? All right, Courtney, why are you upset? All right, the reason is because this is important shit we're talking about right now. All right, all right, so let's let's refocus. Hey, and then I will come out of myself and say, hey, hey, hey guys, let's take a moment. Let's calm down, let's take a moment and think about why are all the voices raised in the room? And then as we thinking, I would end the silence by saying, the reason that I think, and we could talk about it, that everyone is so is so heated, is something that we should be happy about. It's because it's significant. So now, instead of alienating us and pushing us to separate poles, now we become a team. Because even teammates fight. But the, at the end of the day, we're trying to get that goal. We're trying to get that trophy. So if the tr- if the trophy is the goal and you miss the layup, I'm fighting you because that was an, a significant thing. You you just missed a, a, a shot that could bring us closer to the goal, the, to the trophy. And so by you doing that, at least just recognize that it's very significant for us to win this trophy. So let's work together. Let's let's figure it out. Let's re-engineer a situation where 
we can both come closer to the the goal of of winning. Yeah, you just pointed out, you know, that to disrupt and have these conversations about race and social justice, it's because we all care so much about our identities, whether we're in a position of power and privilege or marginalization or both. That's why the emotions are high. And to just validate, like, I think that's a core a core thing that people need, right? Is that normalization and the validation of like, oh, right. Like I'm not mad or guilty or whatever I'm feeling because I'm doing it wrong, but that's just like where I, where I am. That's, that's what's happening. And we don't have to get so pulled into like, you shouldn't be guilty. You shouldn't be mad, which I think, you know, we always want to control other people, which never, ever works ever, ever. <laughs> I don't know why this, <laughs> this human instinct um, happens. Um, but yeah, I think that that it, for me, in terms of working with groups too, that step of validating is one of the most important because if you come right at someone invalidating or challenging what they're feeling, I mean, you can challenge what someone thinks, but you can't really challenge what someone feels. Then you're going to definitely create defensiveness. You're going to amplify defensiveness. You know, like you might not create it, but you're going to, you're, you're stoking the fire. <laughs> oh, exactly. Exactly. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and like I said, I like to, because we were talking about this thing, people, some individuals who listen may fall back on like, damn, are white people bad people? I always want to come back to say, no, it's not the uh, like I am not a black activist. I'm an activist. It's a difference. You know, I'm not a black doctor. I am a doctor. And so as, as a man that identifies as black, it kind of does. And, and the world and the lens that I come from as an activist, it doesn't do me any good to only try to fight for the marginalized. I'm trying to uplift all groups. Because by uplifting all groups, the marginalized will be lifted up. Then the women will be lifted, you know? And so I, I, I think that at the end of the day, when the defensiveness comes up, we have to fall back on like, we're all in this together, you know? And I can only speak on my end and how I like to, like my role in this world as an activist is not to, to shame someone into equity, into liberation, into viewing the world. I don't want to shame you into that. I don't want to make you feel guilty. And now let's work together. Like that, that's not honest work. I need you to, I need you to understand, appreciate, and let's have difficult conversations about historical facts so that the future can be better. Right. This is getting into like a almost like a spiritual component of this for me. So it's a little bit harder to articulate what I have found in, you know, my decades with communication and my decades with meditation and reflection. My background, you know, is in Tibetan Buddhism teachings. I learned a lot from the thought leaders there is that whatever is going on inside for us internally is what's happening for us when we put it into the world. And so when you're talking about you can't feel 
shame. You can't feel this. Like we're also talking about like excluding parts of our own selves, right? Parts of our own experience and being like, no, stomp that down. That's no, this is good. Being, you know, in our culture, being happy is good. Be you as excited and happy all the time as possible. Like it's bad to be sad. It's bad to be depressed. And I think that there's some real internal awareness work that helps when you start to welcome all aspects of yourself and recognize that every aspect of yourself and emotions has information. It's it's not necessarily the truth because we're constantly reacting to things, but it has information for us that we can then bring. And then when we recognize that, which for me is a constant, constant path, you know, it's hard. Because I want to, I'm, I particularly struggle with anger. You know, I'm constantly like, anger is bad, anger is bad. Um, but that's just me. <laughs> I think that when we can do that, we can bring that to a group and recognize, like, yes, all divergent thoughts, all divergent perspectives are welcomed here because we're welcoming it within ourselves too. And same with nonviolent communication. If we talk to ourselves in a very poor way, you're not good enough, you're not this enough. We're going to talk to other people that way, too, because we're going to normalize it within ourselves. So there's some real spiritual growth in this work. You know, it's, it's great you brought up emotions and the community that come from emotions are, are, are weakness, you know, and I feel... You know, and I, I again, I'm going to speak of myself. I think emotions are good gauges, um, are good indicators. It's like a compass. It's like, where are we going? Recognizing that you feel this emotion, but not be controlled by it. Right. You know, that's and, emotional and, intelligence. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what is this information? Interesting. Exactly. Okay. That's how yeah. I feel. It should, emotions should be used as, like, damn, I'm mad as hell right now. All right, what's next? How do you catch that moment? Because if I'm really mad, then I'm super convicted in what I'm thinking. And we know that that's like the amygdala hijacking that we get really, really focused. We're thinking this, this is the only way it can be. How do you catch that moment for yourself? You see, the thing with the work that that you and I do and the work that I do for in, in the community, I, emotion can either lead to the rage and or the passion that's needed to 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 get the work done. It could be like it could be like the gas, you know. However, what is going to drive that? So if 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 the emotions is just the, the unleaded or the supreme gas that I'm putting in my bins, like who is driving my bins? Who is 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 making that right or left turn? Like is hate driving the car or is love is love driving the car? And and that analogy I like to use. And so I always have to make sure that the passion and the fire at the end of the day is articulated and driven by love. Because on the other side, if it's driven by hate, because love and hate is just an emotion on the same coin, just different sides, you know? And so if you're passionate about something, you can passionately hate someone and you can passionately love someone. You know, and as we do this community work, as we open up space for these conversations, I want to be driven by love, fueled by the, by the passion of, and and sometimes the anger that I see in the world. Like I cannot believe that just happened. Yo, we got to change this, Emily. All right, cool. Let's go and let's do this work. You know, and so I, that's how I that's that's how I use my emotions and hope that others can um, see that it could be like a an example. Of, of what can happen. 
No, I mean, and you, I feel like you definitely are an example of that. I feel like I've learned from you in terms, like I get angry and I go to despair and then I kind of like wallow around in <laughs> despair for a while longer than you're, you're much more like, okay, let, let's get it. Let's go back to work, you know? And I'm like, but everything's crumbling, <laughs> Courtney. <laughs> so I appreciate that leadership and you know, turning that corner. So I just feel like we don't have the luxury of time. And so like, if we say we're really into this human work, this humanizing work, this, this, this work that hopefully like our podcast is just a, a, a tool, you know, it's, it's a vehicle. And if we're really into it, we got to use this with respects of time. And if we all here, like if I'm all here saying, fuck white people, what the hell? Like, that's not going to do any good. That's not going to push. No, the you know what yeah, I mean? Like, that's that's gonna create a lot of defensiveness. <laughs> there, there we go. There we go. You know. And oh so, my gosh. Man. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna stay committed to this twenty minute time frame. It's oh, hard. We could die. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, we'll we'll have another episode. I mean, there's so much here. There's so much on defensiveness. So we will follow up with another topic that's close by. <laughs> Pretty soon. So that was it, our first mini yes, episode. <laughs> yes, yes. And as usual, grade A work, humanized podcast. We love y'all. Thank you so much. <laughs> Get ready for more work. Peace. Thanks. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Humanize. Please remember to like and subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. Join us on Instagram or Facebook to continue this conversation at The Humanize Podcast. Let us know if you want to learn more about the professional trainings we offer. And of course, tune in next time as we continue the work. Thank you and much love.